Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome everybody to the next episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today we have Sally Miller as a guest, and she's from the UK, and she is currently living in San Jose, California. Is that right, Sally? That's right, Jasper. Awesome. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. How's life in California? Um, well, hopefully our European friends aren't going to hate this, but it's, it's sunny October, beautiful fall weather. It's wonderful. So you grew up in the United Kingdom. What made you decide to go to California? So I met and married um, a Californian, simple as that. So we met, in fact, we met skiing in Europe um, quite a long time ago. And then when we, we, we sort of got to know each other over email and when we've got engaged, it was no competition. Uh, it was a toss-up between California and the UK, and I didn't hesitate to move out here, and have been here ever since. Okay, and how, how long have you been there so far? Oh yeah, that's about six years, six and okay. a half years ago we moved out here. And did you find it easy to make the transition from the UK to the US? You know, I did. Uh, I mean, I'm so lucky because my husband's from here, so he has his family and his friends, and I had a built-in community that I, I sort of adopted when I came out here. Um, there's always, you know, you're sad and it's difficult to leave people behind. I'd lived in London for almost 18 years, and then leaving family behind. That's always hard, but uh, I adapted very quickly to life out here. I love it. Great. And uh, how, did you, how did you find out about Airbnb? So, yeah, our story might be a little bit different to a lot of Airbnbers in that I'm trying to think when I first heard about Airbnb. I mean, I'd been aware of Airbnb, um, but never really traveled with Airbnb, though we'd often stayed in other apartments through other sites. But what happened is I became a stay-at-home mom. I'd been working for 18 years um, in the corporate world, and then when my daughter was born, I went back to work, but I lasted a year. And to be honest, I was done with the nine to five, and I just really, really wanted to be home with my baby. So I made the decision, I talked to my husband to become a stay-at-home mom, and that was a, a few years ago now. But of course, we took a drop in income, and I kind of missed parts of, of earning my own income and my work. So I started to look at ways to earn an income on the side. And I did various things, and, and some worked, and some worked well, and some didn't. And then just earlier this year, we were talking about our next trip to the UK. So we go back to see my family sort of every year or every other year, and it's expensive. And we're talking about ways to you know, help cover the costs, and we thought about doing a home swap, and then we dismissed that. And I said, well, I knew about Airbnb. Why don't we rent out our home? And Airbnb seemed to be the obvious platform because I knew it was – 
we didn't want to get into rental contracts that from scratch and managing the money side and it had a platform that made it very easy to get going and to be honest I think it was like less than a month after we had this conversation we did our first trial weekend so we knew we wanted to put our house on Airbnb for when we were going to the UK we thought let's test this out in advance so we just put a listing up there I did a lot of research and spent a lot of time looking at it but we put our listing up and it went really well it was so quick that we got you know a whole bunch of inquiries we couldn't believe how great this was and I think we've been doing it pretty much every month for a few days a month um, ever since and then when you rent out your place you you stay with with family or Oh, yeah, so we either take a break or we're going on vacation or we'll just go stay with family. So that time we went, because we're doing a trial weekend, we stayed with family. So we'll either go stay with family or take the opportunity to take off, you know, for a short family break. Yeah, it's a great way to, to use Airbnb. And I think it's cool that you can use Airbnb so many different ways. And right, exactly, way, yeah. This is a great way to use Airbnb specifically because pretty much anyone can do this. Right? Anyone can put up a listing mm -hmm. and if it gets booked, you just go on a little trip. Uh, exactly. Uh, since we tried it, we've been telling everybody, you got to do this. It's so easy. You wouldn't believe it. And it's money, <laughs> money in your pocket. I know. It's, it's funny because people go on holidays and holidays are already pretty expensive. And then, mm -hmm. and then on top of that, you're paying basically double accommodation costs. Right? You can only be in one place at one time. So you really don't need to you know, have your own accommodation back home and then have extra accommodation wherever you uh, travel to. So it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, so basically you're, you're running out the place where you, where you live with your family. Now I can imagine that that might, may have uh, raised some concerns before you started. Um, maybe you were worried about your personal belongings or people uh, ruining your place from parties, etc. Uh, were you were mm -hmm. you concerned about that at all or not? Uh, you know, yeah, I was very concerned. I mean, I'm I'm quite a risk averse person. I don't take huge risks in life, and I think there's probably more concerns, like you say, because it's your our family home that our personal items are in our house. Um, so there's several things we do that I don't know if all Airbnbers do. Um, you know, we I heavily screen potential guests. I, I don't just accept sort of reservation requests right off the bat without you know, engaging with someone and finding out a little bit more and checking into potential guests to get to some level of comfort. Um, so absolutely, yes, definitely was concerned about, mostly about who would, who would be in our home and also because we have a relationship with our neighbors, for example, that you wouldn't want upset neighbors because of guests having parties late at night and upsetting them while you're away. So yeah, th th there were concerns that we had to start with. And how do you screen your guests? What do you look at them? What do you look for in particular? Um, so that, yeah, there's quite a few things that I do. So I mean, as you know, Airbnb does a lot for us anyway as hosts. Uh, it, yeah, they take safety very seriously and there's quite a few good inbuilt. So first of all, I look at Airbnb's verifications. Um, and the reviews, um, especially the reviews. If someone is a host, then that's that's great. That's a, a big green light for me. Um, or if they've traveled a lot and they have reviews, you can often read between the lines um, of reviews. But I'll go above and beyond what, what Airbnb has in place. I, <laughs> I'll be honest, I will Google the person 
Um, they're going to be in my home, so I figure it's okay. You, you, you want to check. Basically, I want to check it's not a fake ID, it's not an obvious scammer, and it's quite easy to match up. Most people have their photographs, right, um, on their Airbnb profile, so to match someone up to a social account. But what I would say is the biggest thing I do is engaging someone through through email or through Airbnb's messaging system, just in a conversation, a back and forth. So um, if they haven't provided much information at the beginning or if they've asked a question, I'll use that as an opportunity to answer the question or to ask them just who's in their party and why they're visiting the area. And you can do that in a way that, that won't you know, put guests off or seem nosy, but kind of you build up a relationship and you build a picture of the person. And you're... Um, you probably know what I mean, in that your instincts kind of can take over when you, you think this these will be good guests or you might have doubts about guests and then I have no problems declining people because it's my home. I, I tend to not, if I have any sort of red flags come up, I'll choose to just decline the guests or, or say that I'm, our property is not available for that weekend or whatever. And when you engage the guest in, in the conversation, do you do this before the booking as well as after? Yeah, so as part of the screening, I do this before. Um, I mean, there'll be an ongoing communication with guests as well after you know we accept a booking and a booking is confirmed. But I have a kind of a, I call it screening, where I'm just vetting or checking people just to make sure I'm comfortable with who they are before we even accept and so I have declined quite a few um, Airbnb reservation requests or booking inquiries just because I've not been comfortable. And I know this, in theory, you shouldn't decline too many because it may impact the algorithm, the search algorithm, and, and where your listing appears in the listing results. But personally, I haven't seen an impact on our um, search ranking. And I'd rather be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one question. You say you, you Google guests to get more information. Um, before, right. before a guest makes a booking, you don't, you don't have the full name of the guest, right? You have access to their profile. So when you get a reservation, or I have, when I had a reservation request, um, I can click on their profile and it brings up the picture uh, and whatever name. I think I normally have the last name, but you can see their picture as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I've definitely been able to Google people and then decline after. Okay. Decline their booking, yeah. Yeah, so may, yeah, maybe some people mention their full name in their uh, in their profile. Pro- I don't think it's um, it's mandatory, though. Yeah, so you can match up the picture with somebody that you would find on, say, LinkedIn or Facebook. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question I have is, um, so you, you're saying that you're screening your guests and uh, what, what's been your experience so far? Has, that, has this screening sort of ensured that you've never had any issues with the neighbors or, or whatsoever? Um, so far, touch wood, we've had no significant issues. Um, we've never had any damage. We've never had neighbors complain. And again, I've you know, made sure I've talked to all our neighbors. We let them know that we're doing this you know, as, as sort of, Residents, I think, in fact, certain areas, including our area, legally are meant to let her. In San Jose, I think the city rules require you notify your neighbors anyway. Um, but yes, touch wood, 
so far we haven't had any sort of unpleasant experiences, should I say. And you guys own the apartment? Yeah, well, it's actually a house, um, and yeah, we own it. Okay, so that makes it a little bit easier with regards to neighbors and condominium associations, etc. Yeah, we don't have that. Luckily, we don't have that to worry about. Mm -hmm. How did the neighbors uh, react when you told them you were going to Airbnb <laughs> where they worried, or? Um, I had a conversation similar to the one we're having now, so they didn't seem worried. Um, I did go out of my way, and this is a tip to anyone who wants to do something similar, to say several things. Make sure they could contact me if they had concerns, and that they always were my first consideration if there was ever a problem with a guest. Um, and also to let them know, like, similar to this conversation we're having about, you know, the fact that I do talk to people and screen them and make sure I'm comfortable with them before I accept a booking. Um, and again, no, no, oh, we've had no... Our neighbors have been absolutely fine with it. Was it easy to get bookings in the beginning? Yes, and we were surprised. Um, we, cause we didn't price particularly low. We went in at a mid-price, and we did. it was in the early summer, so when the season's picking up here in California. But, yeah, we, we got a lot of inquiries at the beginning. I think I have read somewhere that Airbnb, I'm pretty sure about this, is gives new listings a boost. Would you know about this? You get a little boost in the rankings when you first list a property. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do that. Yeah, so I think that also helped. So I think we were appearing on the front, you know, top of the front page. And so, yeah, we were getting inquiries right off the bat, like within an hour. <laughs> and then within the first 24 hours, I think I'd had three or four inquiries. Um, good ones. So yeah, we were very pleased. That's great. Yeah, if Airbnb does do this, and I think it's a really good strategy that they use because if you're just starting out and you don't get any booking requests in the first week or so, or in the first two weeks, then it might uh, sort of deter a lot of potential hosts to uh, to give up. So I think it's really smart that Airbnb yeah. boosts you a little bit in the beginning, so you get some bookings, you get things going, you get yeah. comfortable with that. And then you're much more likely to keep hosting. Mm -hmm. So that's great. And uh, what's what's your best or worst experience so far? Oh, um, you know, it always surprises you. The best experience were the guests that I was not sure about. I was on the edge of declining because they sent very short terse responses to my messages so you you know how I was talking about I screen guests and I engage them in, in a little bit of back and forth before we accept a booking and I was getting very short terse responses but in the end you know it all ended up fine and I accepted the booking and it was a family I think it was a family of four and they were coming out here to visit their family and I it was the best because I didn't hear from them once. They checked in, no problem. They left our house in like beautiful condition, almost identical to the way you know our, our cleaner cleaned it before they moved in. Um, which does go to show sometimes, although you can rely on instincts up to a point, you don't always know <laughs> exactly how people are going to be. So that was, I think I would call it a good um, hosting experience. Uh, when you're not there and present is when you just have zero problems. Your guests stay. They obviously have a good stay. They respect your home, and um, there's not no hiccups. So that that was a good one. Um, 
We haven't had any really bad experiences. I'd say that the toughest one was the first time I tried remote hosting. So, like I said, the first trial weekend, we stayed nearby with family just to see how this worked out. And then the next couple of um, bookings after that, we were local or relatively local. So if anything pops up, if there's a question, you always know you, you can be there. And also I would be there, my husband would be there to get our house ready before the guests arrived. So we pay a cleaner, but we put away our items because it's our home and we, we get things. it takes us a few hours just to get the house ready and clean the yard. So the one time we decided to do this remotely, we were taking a vacation in San Diego and effectively it's like we were remote hosting but we had it all ready we had a cleaner we already trusted who was going to come in and get the house ready for us and then my uh, husband's dad he was going to get the yard ready and do what my husband normally does outside and it just turned out that on the morning that they were getting the house ready before the guests were due to arrive I was getting phone call after phone call about every little thing and it made me realize just when you remote host how you have to plan and trust your team, have a team who know how things work and just plan for every eventuality. So nothing major, but just, you know, the cleaner didn't know where the bedding was because I forgot to put it out or something. And my husband couldn't work the leaf blower. My husband's dad couldn't work the leaf blower to, he was going to, you know, clean out the yard, the leaves, <laughs> just silly things. It, it took much longer than I could have anticipated. Mm -hmm. And it also turned out that the guests tended to be one of our more, let's call them high maintenance guests. They had a lot of questions, a lot of queries. So I had quite a few phone calls. And to make things even worse, I think it was on the second or the third day that the guests were in our home. And it was in the middle of a heat wave in California. The air conditioning went out. And it had already been a little on the high maintenance side with lots of queries and questions. And then I got this message saying, the air conditioning's not working. And again, we went on site because normally I'd be able to come and have a look or my husband could and see if it was something that we could quickly fix. And so I offered to send in a handyman and they actually declined that. And we were lucky in the end, although it didn't um, resolve itself, the air conditioning was broken. Um, they didn't want a handyman for some reason in the house. And so I was able to arrange and make sure they had fans in the bedrooms to keep cool. And the heat wave broke the next day, so they were okay. But that was probably our toughest experience. And it wasn't even that tough. It was just, you know, more things happened. And it felt like a catalog of little incidents one after the other. Right, yeah. You, you can't really expect every single state to go completely smooth. Um, there's always oh, things can happen that are out of your control. Um, did right. you, how did you resolve the situation where did you give them a, re, a part, uh, partly a refund or did you get a, a, a bad review or how did it end up? Do you know what we did was made sure they had fans and offered to get someone in to fix it same day, but I didn't do anything else. And we were concerned that we might get a bad review and it must have been just communication because I mean, I always say to anyone who asks me about hosting, it's all, you know, this, right? Communication, communicate well and be there and be prepared to do anything to make your guests happy. So they left us a glowing five-star review. Didn't even mention the air conditioning in the review, public review, he mentioned it in private, but said, thank, you know, thank me for being there and being prepared and ready to handle it. Mm. Um, so that was pretty much it. And good communication always goes a long way, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, definitely. Uh, building a relationship with your guest is probably the most important thing when it comes to getting mm -hmm. good reviews. And it's, 
it's also interesting that sometimes the, the, the guests that seem to be high maintenance actually give you a really, really good review afterwards. And it's also sometimes the opposite where, you know, I get guests and I ask them, is everything okay? And they say, yeah, yeah, everything's perfect. And then, uh, and then at the end of the stay, either they don't leave a review or they leave a very, very short one. Uh, and it, it always surprised me. It's hard to sort of uh, predict, um, you know, how appreciative you, your guests will be in the end. Right, I agree. In fact, I think when something goes wrong, it's almost an opportunity to earn a five-star review. Because if something goes wrong, that's when you can prove yourself as a host by going, you know, over and above in responding to the problem and making sure it's corrected. And like you, you if if necessary, you know, offering a refund or to pay for a hotel or a night out at a restaurant or something like that. Um, yeah. It's an opportunity to earn that five-star review. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And I think people also realize that, you know, things can happen that, that are outside of your control. And as long as you show that you care and that you are willing to do whatever you know, is within, uh, within reason to help solve the situation, then, um, then guests definitely uh, really appreciate that. Absolutely. So, um, so let's talk about something very exciting because you are about to launch a book about Airbnb. I am. And you've already sent me a, uh, a, a copy. So first of all, congratulations with, with writing the book. Um, obviously, I've written uh, a book myself, so I know how much work uh, goes into uh, goes into that process. So, first of all, is this is this your first book, or have you written more books in the past? Um, no, this is my first book. I plan for it to be the first in a series of books. Um, I'm calling it my Pay to Stay Home series. So like I said at the beginning, as a stay-at-home mom, I have a little bit of an obsession with ways to earn side income, and I've tried and tested many. <laughs> um, but it'll be the very first in that series. Mm -hmm. And what, what, some, what are some of the other things you've tried? Um, oh, let me see. So um, I've had various websites and blogging, and I still do do that. Um, I started a local business running a children's consignment sale, which was like an event-based business. Um, I've done freelancing. I've created an online course. Um, I've bought and sold used items. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. So, and I've got, I've got an even longer list of... Um, other side gigs you could call them that you know I'm longing to try. I'm one of these people who loves to go out there, research something, learn how to do it, and, and see if I can make it work for myself. And how did you publish your online course? Um, so I did that hosted on a WordPress site. Okay. And it was at the same time that I was also doing some freelancing around helping people. I don't do this anymore, actually, although it was successful. It was something that just it was taking up too much of my time. And my kids come first. But it was on a, a membership site with, I can't remember which plugin it was, um, one of the big ones. For some reason, the name has just slipped my memory. But it was um, on my own hosted WordPress site, a membership site I set up. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually building a bunch of video courses on a platform called Udemy. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. I've, I've looked into it, but I haven't gone down that route myself yet, but I'm interested in it. Hmm. Okay, yeah, so I'm building some courses. I've already got a course about Airbnb hosting and one about how the, you can save money by staying at Airbnbs. 
and uh, I'm building a bunch of new ones. So that's a, that's also a good way to to earn money. Uh, I think on on the side. Nice. Um, yeah, I'll check those out. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your book. So you you decided to write the book because you you were looking for ways to make a side income as a as a stay at home mom. Um, how mm-hmm. how was the process of writing a book? Did you how did you find that process? Was it did, did it take more time than expected, and was it challenging, or was it pretty smooth? Um, it was. It didn't take a long time. In fact, I wrote the book. I did the rough draft in I think three weeks. But then I spent another three weeks on top of that editing. So it was literally a case of establishing a habit of writing every day. I mean, I've blogged in the past before, so I'm used to sort of establishing that habit. But you you probably know how it is. It's just having that habit of sitting down. Um, I do have a baby at home as well as a four-year-old. And so it was the baby's nap time was when I would sit down each day. And that would be my writing time. And I just... I, I mapped out the book in advance, um, you know, what chapters, what topics, and then chapter by chapter, and then I just sat down for three weeks straight and wrote every single day and actually had the rough draft done. So it was actually quicker than I expected, but it doesn't mean it was painless. <laughs> you probably know. It's still it's still sometimes hard work getting the book out of you. Um, and then I actually spent another three weeks self-editing, and I'm kind of, um, I could have carried on. You never want to be done, right? You always want to be tweaking and improving and changing and you know changing some wordings. But um, that was another three weeks, and then I worked with an uh, sent it off to an editor. I found an editor um, through recommendations, and she helped me a lot as well. Just going through the couple of rounds, several rounds of editing, mm-hmm. which brings us to today. Yeah, where I am now. And what's the focus of the book? So the book is Make Money on Airbnb. Um, The focus is for people who are new to Airbnb but have already been thinking about it. And I'm especially writing to people in a similar situation to myself. Um, Although it's relevant to any um, new Airbnb host, uh, I cover topics around renting out your home. Um, which is a little bit different. So I cover the topics like what to do with your personal items and the checklist of things that you need to think about. Because there's a few extra things you need to think about when you're renting out your home versus one room in your home or um, doing a full-time rental. So um, that's the gist of it. Okay, cool. And the, the, the title is How to Make Money on Airbnb? So it's Make Money on Airbnb, and the subtitle is How to Quickly and Easily Earn $2,500 a Month from Your Home. Okay, and that's, that's roughly how much you're making with your home? That's right. We, we average out uh, $2,500 a month. And that's just for a couple weeks. pretty nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a family home. So yeah, it's and probably about four hours work. It's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, because that's a you know it's almost a full time income, right? So, um, but in California, California it barely pays your home loan, unfortunately. <laughs> but okay. it's still yeah, it's still pretty good. Okay, yeah, that's great. So you're launching the book in about two weeks, is that correct? Yes. So November the eighth is the official launch date. It will be available in Amazon. Okay, great. Do you, are you doing a promotion during the launch? So the first two days I will, I'm going to have a free promotion for just two days. 
um, to kickstart it and give the early people an opportunity to get the book for free on Amazon. And then after that, I'll probably do a second promotion. Um, I haven't finalized exactly for how long and at what price. Okay. So for those who are listening and are interested in your, in your story and your advice, uh, what's the best, what, what can they do to make sure that they'll, they can take advantage of your, uh, your free promotion? So one way is if you hop onto my uh, website at sallyannmiller.com, you can sign up for the pre-release list and you'll get um, notified when my book is up on Amazon and it's available for free. And otherwise, remember the date, November the 8th, and make money on Airbnb is the launch date. Awesome. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes, the website, and also the dates and everything else. Um, so yeah, so it's really exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, my, my last question as, we, as we're sort of uh, rounding this up, uh, what's your... Uh, What's your next uh, project that you want to be working on? Well, what I've decided to do is I'm going to be asking my subscribers and my followers on Facebook. So I mentioned a whole bunch of things earlier that I've done before, which is you know running a consignment sale, blogging, setting up niche sites, uh, freelancing, creating online courses. But what I'm going to do is let... Uh, I guess my audience uh, decide for me um, and then I'm going to go with that as my next project. So I'm hoping to write another book um, in the next few months and we'll wait and see what the topic is. Awesome. So you're going to be writing a whole series of books. That, that's the plan, yes. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, congratulations and uh, for everyone who's listening, uh, November 8th, you can get the book for free. Um, of course, you can always also get my book on Amazon. Just search for Airbnb, and it's still in the number one spot, even though there's a lot of books on Airbnb right now. So I'm very happy and grateful for that. Or you can also go to getpaidforypet.com, where you can find a lot of different resources uh, about Airbnb hosting. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Sally, for being on the show. Appreciate your time. And uh, we will see everybody next week. Thank you very much. Get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet.